0: Welcome to the Creative Empire Podcast. Each week, Raina Pomeroy, the life and biz success coach, and Christina Scalera, the attorney for creatives, are taking you up close and personal with successful influencers in the creative community and tackling your biggest business hurdles. Their mission is to help you, creative entrepreneurs, think beyond your daily biz so you can make the brave decisions that build your creative empire.
1: Welcome back for another episode of the Creative Empire Podcast. Raina and I are joined today by Kelsey Baldwin of Paper and Notes. Some of you are going to love this episode because you've been following her like I have for a long time. If you haven't been, she is the owner of an Etsy shop and a freelance design studio since 2013. But what's really phenomenal about Kelsey is her story. She has just written a book that's about her story. She's now a single mom to a crazy little three-year-old, as she describes her, and a big fluffy dog. And she's a huge advocate for women learning to sustain themselves plus gain independence through online business. Now, That's such a topical introduction. I'm so excited to have you here today, Kelsey, so that we can really dive in and look at why this is so unique, why your story is so different, and how other entrepreneurs can be inspired and learn from the things and the challenges you've faced. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so also forgot to mention you have the InDesignFieldGuide.com, which is all about InDesign, and that is free for you guys. So If you don't know Paper Notes, Kelsey is just a prolific content creator, but in the best kind of way. She has helped my business tremendously by creating so much free content that I'm then able to use. So Kelsey, thank you so much for being that person in our industry to so many people for so long, like 2013. That's crazy. That's forever ago. Tell us a little (laughs) bit about how you got started back then.
2: Well, thank you. That was a really nice intro. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of started. I feel like it's been like a really gradual introduction into where I am today. It's evolved a lot since 2013. And even before that, I've kind of had an Etsy shop for a really long time where I tried selling a lot of different like physical products and random stuff from (laughs) college art classes that I was trying to like resell and get money for rent. So I kind of was dipping my toes into like Entrepreneurship and working for myself, even back then, and finding freelance clients on Craigslist and places like that, that I probably wouldn't recommend today. (laughs) A little less creepy then. So I kind of just dove right in and I didn't know at all what I was doing, and I was just trying things um, and learning as I was going. And then 2013 is kind of when everything took a turn. Um, My life took a turn, my husband left at the time that I was married. We found out we were pregnant at the same time. So I kind of was like, that whole life has just flipped on its head for me. And then it was also kind of around the exact same time that my Etsy shop, I started selling printable planners. And that was really the first thing in my shop that was sticking and that was selling and it was really starting to take off. Um, I was starting to get more freelance clients. So it was a lot of change kind of all at once in personal and in business. But I kind of just kept doing that where I was learning as I was going and I was just trying things out, experimenting, testing, you know, I would say yes to things and figure it out later, (laughs) kind of type of stuff. So, yeah, eventually I kind of found this world of online courses just as that was starting to become more popular. And I kind of had always wanted to be a teacher actually before I was even into design. And so it was neat to be able to kind of blend the design that I felt really passionate about and really loved doing with teaching other people about that. And so that's kind of how the InDesign field guide was born. And then that has done really well. And so I don't actually take on freelance clients anymore. And I just sort of focus on the teaching side of things. So yeah, that's kind of this.
1: Yeah, this is the the gradual way of where I am. (laughs) Kelsey, you just kind of skimmed over having your daughter becoming a single mom unexpectedly. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? Because we have, I mean, I feel like every single day I see a new mom that I'm friends with on Instagram struggling because one of my friends just had a baby. Her baby was born very jaundiced and ill, and she's been nursing her back to health. Caitlin James, a famous photographer, just announced that she is really facing the possibility of losing her 20-week-old baby. Molly Stillman just went through something similar where she lost her baby It's just like these kind of horrible, but also very real, like this is what's happening and it's been happening, but no one's talked about it. And no one's talked about single motherhood in the same way that you have either. You've been very vocal about that. So let's take a little detour. I promise you guys we'll get back to business. Kelsey is very business oriented, but (laughs) well, it's not really a detour because she's writing a book about this, right? (laughs) true. Thank you, Raina. This is why I need Raina here.
3: No, it's, I mean, like, it's, okay. not, it's a detour, but it's not. And I think that what I really want to point out and, like, what Chrissy is trying to say, I think, is that, like, Kelsey, you've really blended the two of, like, your personal life and your business together, and you've chosen intentionally to have your first book be sort of a business and personal book, right? And can you tell us a little bit more about
1: that and what we can expect from it? Yeah, thank you. Foot and mouth disease over here.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's... The book is actually not going to be very business oriented at all. Maybe down the road, I'll write something else like that. But for now, I just kind of, I'd always had like, in my heart that I wanted to write a book ever since I was younger, no idea what that would be about. And then, you know, all this crazy life change happened kind of all at once. And so I just sort of thought, hey, there's a story (laughs) that I didn't really talk about much whenever it was happening, of course, because I was processing things and going through it. But once my business started to grow and I kind of what you were saying, Christina, like people weren't really talking about like the struggles in marriage or in motherhood or anything that was happening, you know, behind the scenes in people's personal lives while they're trying to also run a business and put on a face and make it seem like everything's fine. So I kind of, I was waiting, I think in my head, I was like, I need to wait until I have this like happy ending of being remarried and more kids and everything's got a bow on it at the end to actually write about it. And then kind of, I don't know, just in my heart, I just kept hearing kind of you said, Christina, just stories of women who were really struggling with things. And I just kept seeing this theme of like people being stuck in the middle of something and not really like they're kind of in this waiting period or this holding place. And they you know, have gone through something, but they're not quite through to the end of it yet or moved on yet. And so I kind of wanted to speak more to those people and speak from that place of I'm in the middle too. And I'm trying to figure out what it means to be single again after being married for almost five years, being a parent for the first time without a partner, you know, just kind of like waking up in your life is not at all what you expected it was going to be. And how do you grapple with that and reconcile it from still being in the middle and not having it all figured out yet? So that's kind of yeah. Where so what, all
1: were, from. what were like some of the early moments. I know my Facebook ads manager, Emily Hirsch, I don't think they were married yet. And she found out she was pregnant and she was 19 and she was just like, Oh my gosh, my life is over. And she said, she's been open about this on Facebook live. She's like, She was literally Googling and searching for terms like, can you be happy at 19 with a baby? Like, will signs that your partner will marry you, like that kind of stuff. And now she's like a multimillionaire with like a very happy family (laughs) life. They just went to New Zealand for a month. Yeah, like happy ending there. But at the same time, can you walk us through like what those early moments are? Because there's people in our audience that are experiencing this kind of like, my life is never going to be the same. I hate my life. Like those kinds of moments where you're just so pessimistic. Can you walk us through like what those early moments were and maybe how you got yourself around to where you are now?
2: Yeah, I think I for sure went through those same feelings of Googling what do you do when your husband leaves and you're pregnant, or how do you take care of a newborn without a partner, things that nobody should be Googling. (laughs) But yeah, I think I felt a lot of those same things in the beginning of just like, your life's not what you expected. And maybe you think it's, you know, it's worse because of it not being what you thought it would be, but it's not worse. It's just different. And it takes a little bit of a change of perspective. And I think like one of the reasons I've wanted to share my story was just kind of not necessarily to only speak to other single moms, but just to speak to anybody who's going through something or in those early or middle stages of like, what am I going to do? My life is over. Like I don't know what's coming next. I'm just speaking to that place. Kind of just letting people know, like I went through something like that, and it was hard. And I'm still figuring out how to, you know, live my life in the wake of that. But it's possible, and it's it's not the end of your life, and it does move on, and there can be like silver linings to all of those things.
3: Yeah. Something that I thought was really really fascinating in your bio, you underscore you are an advocate for women learning to sustain themselves and gain independence through online business. And I think that that's such a strong way to introduce yourself. And you know, there's a mission tied to it there. You have so much heart behind this and it's obvious that it's not just like words i guess it's not fluffy and you really want for people whatever the walk of life is that she's going through that there is some sense of independence and autonomy that she might be able to experience by having this kind of business what has being an online business owner given to you while you were trying to figure out the single you know momhood and you know going through the divorce and all of that stuff
2: i think it like going through a divorce going from two incomes down to one income all of a sudden unexpectedly, it's kind of like put like a fire in me just to encourage other women to be able to be self-sustaining. I think even while I was married, my personality was very independent and very like, I want to provide for my family and contribute. And I think that's like in talking with a lot of other moms, I think that's a huge place of a lot of women starting businesses online is they want to contribute and they, nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom, but maybe I know for myself, I never imagine that for myself. I just I'm workaholic, <laughs> so I have to always be working and doing something. So I think a lot of women are in that place where they want to contribute in some way. And so, you know, having been thrust into single parenthood unexpectedly, and then having to provide for me and my daughter just on my income and not rely on anybody else, it's just kind of like made me want to help other women do that, even if they're married, even if They don't necessarily need to be contributing to their family if there's a lot of, like, if their husband does really well or something like that. I just want to be able to encourage women to, like, have their own thing, if that makes sense, and be able to work towards their own thing and, like, build their own independence. You know, God forbid something like that did happen where it was just them all of a sudden. So.
1: One of the things that I love about what you've mentioned here today is you moved away from client work which is the dream of a lot of our listeners. We get lots of emails that are like I just want to get away from client work. If I could just get rid of these clients that are always asking for something, then I would just have so much more time to spend with my family or you know, finally take a vacation or whatever it is. Is that what happened for you? Like what are the changes in your lifestyle if any that you've seen since moving away from client work and moving only to digital products that you're selling?
2: Yeah, I think it's provided a lot of freedom and I don't ever want to like dis client work. I have good friends who do freelance work and they love working with clients and love like coming alongside them and partnering with them and, you know, have no desire (laughs) to do any of the digital product world stuff. And I think that's awesome. I think obviously we can't all quit client work. We need people to enjoy that. And so I think I'm thankful for those people. (laughs) But yeah, I think for myself, like kind of in two ways, like my personality, I'm very introverted and like just working a lot with other people was stressful to me. And then also, I think in my personal life of just being a single parent, having my daughter home with me all the time, it just wasn't feasible to be dependent on other people's deadlines and kind of run my life around what their schedule was. And if they had a time management emergency, it became my problem. And you know, with a toddler running around at home, it just wasn't making sense anymore. So yeah, I'm glad I made that switch, um, but it was a very gradual slope. Which it wasn't like suddenly quitting clients and trying a, a product. I kind of am, have blended, you know, from one to the other, and slowly phased out client work as I was phasing in digital products.
1: So, let me stop you right there, Kelsey. Yeah, when you say you're phasing out client work and building in digital products, the challenge that personally I faced—I'm still doing client work. I have. Two businesses. Some people think they're the same, but they're not. The contract shop is one and the law firm is separate. But what I will say is that it was a really difficult decision and transition to stop working with as many clients because that's right, like immediate revenue digital products take some time to build up. You have to figure out what's going to sell. You have to figure out how to package that, how to sell it, how to market it. There's a lot more, I feel like, steps to get the money into your bank account with digital products than it is with services. Services, the benefit Mm -hmm. is immediate. It's obvious. But here's the challenge that everybody is facing. Client work takes time. Creating, marketing, selling these digital products takes time. So... How do you balance like the immediacy of the money coming in with the services versus the payoff that might occur with the digital products? Do you get what I'm saying? I don't I don't think I'm asking well.
2: No, I think I understand. Like thinking about when I was building my first online course, the InDesign Field Guide, I was still had like a full client load at that time because I had no idea, you know, if it was gonna sell at all. I kind of like as I was working with clients, I was also in the background, like writing blog posts about InDesign, trying to build up my email list around that specific topic, knowing that in six months I was going to launch this product to them. So that was a big part of kind of building momentum, I guess, and like interest in a product that wasn't really in existence yet while I was still designing for clients, which was, you know, bringing in the actual revenue to live on, and then building the course out over about six months is how long it took me. So it was a slow process. Like I didn't sit down and try to bust it all out, you know, in a few weeks or something. Because kind of like you said, like I needed, I know I needed to build in time for client work to have that revenue to live on. So once I launched the course, it did much better than I expected. I think in part to taking the time beforehand to build an audience around that topic. So then once it launched it did a lot better than I thought. And so I think at that point, I was like, okay, maybe I could actually make a business around this type of product starting to... It was like at that point that I started phasing out client work after I had the product and I had kind of validated its success, I guess. And this was like 2015. So I feel like now a lot of people are trying to kind of just start right out of the gate with a all you know online course type business I think it's a lot harder to do now. And so I think taking that time beforehand while I had the bread and butter of clients to build an audience around that to make sure that just giving like the end product of the online course once it launched, giving it a better shot at being successful, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of an overlap between like people in their nine to five jobs, hustling, side hustling and creating their, you know, whatever their business is, whether it's an event planning business or photography or whatever. And then like once you're in this space to have the bread and butter of another income, like clients, and then doing something like online shop or courses or something like that. And there's like a little bit of that. You have a core foundation of where your money is coming from. And then you do the experimental stuff on the side. Has that been your experience in terms of like trying different products or um, different kind of new income streams for your business?
2: Yeah, I think that's something that has always been and probably always will be a part of my business and maybe just a part of how I like running a business personally. It's just having multiple kind of my hand in a lot of different things and multiple streams of revenue, as they say, but. Just, I think too, I see it also from like a risk standpoint of I'm the sole provider for my daughter. And so I I don't want to put all my eggs in the client basket. I don't want to put all my eggs in Etsy's basket. I don't even want to put them all in the online course basket. So I want to like spread it out so that if something, you know, ends up being a trend and it kind of falls by the wayside and, you know, no matter what I do, I can't get it back to where it was. At least that was just like this one piece of my business and I still have everything else that's running and maybe I can replace that with something else. And I think that's kind of what the book is too. Like I'm certainly not writing a book to make any money because <laughs> I think anyone who writes books probably knows that there's not much money in it. But the purpose is to share the story. But like just knowing that, okay, well that'll be another like little piece that can help sustain all these other little pieces that make up a whole.
3: Yeah, I think it's really interesting to have, you know, your hands in different buckets so to speak in your business and have, to, you know, try experimental things but know that there's different just in case something doesn't go as well as you had hoped or you project wrong or whatever to know that you can have sustainability in other places in your business. I see a lot of people taking huge risks without having kind of like that anchor and then feeling really devastated or like they've taken the wrong chance and they have to leave their business which can be equally, I guess, emotionally draining. So I guess I would love to hear from you as you think about your year and like what the, you know, your launch schedule looks like or how you typically like to prepare for the big things that come up in your business. I mean, you're writing a big book right now. I know you're launching a bunch of stuff. So how do you like to plan for those things? And like, how do you lay out the, I guess, the landscape of the year?
2: Yeah. I'm a like planning nerd. And so I love like sitting down like towards the end of the year and kind of mapping out what's going to happen month to month and like making sure things are spread out. And I'm not like putting a ton of stuff in one month and overwhelming myself or my audience. I like to keep it pretty spread out. So when I kind of was like looking at 2018, I know that like I have two main courses that I sell, um, the InDesign Field Guide, which... Um, launches just twice a year in the spring and the fall. So I usually can like pencil those things in. And then I also have Etsy on autopilot, which is kind of a smaller course and it's evergreen right now. Um, But I've kind of been experimenting with some different ways to promote that and kind of change up how I'm doing that just to help it perform a little bit better. So kind of like penciling that type of stuff, like in between the other launches knowing that I was writing a book. I mean, that's been a really big part of this year. Um, I started writing it in fall of 2017 last year. So I kind of penciled in like what I thought that whole timeline might look like. It's already changed (laughs) because I've never written a book before. And so kind of like, I mean, it's good that I've said penciled things in because a lot of stuff gets erased and rewritten. So I think being able to be flexible and move stuff around as you go. And I think a lot of people too, looking at the whole year might be really overwhelming. And they like to just do like 90 day chunks. And I kind of do that like with more specific things. But personally, I like to see the whole year ahead of me and kind of plan accordingly and be able to prepare for stuff. So, but knowing that things probably will change a little bit as I go.
3: Yeah. And how do you plan for like kind of the unexpected stuff? I know that for me, when my son gets sick, I have to change my life around. Yeah. What do you do, you know, as a single parent and knowing that life does happen and gets in the way of the plans that we create? Like you said, you have to like erase things sometimes, right? So how do you accommodate for those things?
2: I think like really prioritizing like what's the most important thing. I think Like in years past, I've had a lot of stuff on my to-do list that maybe I wanted to do, but really wasn't that important. (laughs) And as I was, I use Asana, like the calendar view. And so you can drag and drop tasks all around. So as I was like dragging things from like week to week, to week, to week, never actually like checking it off after a while, I'm like, do I like, what would happen if I just didn't do this? If I deleted it from my to-do list, what's going to fall apart? Probably nothing. Okay. I'll just get rid of it. So I think kind of it's taken me a while to like strip out those extra things that really don't matter um, or maybe is like my perfectionist side coming out that like I need all of these things to match but like really from an outsider's perspective, perspective do they notice that they don't match probably not and like is that where I want to spend the limited hours that I have whenever I have a, like other bigger projects that like I know need to get done in order for me to earn money to <laughs> pay my mortgage and put food on the table. So I think just being flexible and I have stuff like that come up too with, you know, my daughter being sick or we've had like a ton of snow days this year in the winter. So like I basically have usually about two or three days a week that I can have like dedicated time to work without her here. So when one of those is gone, I have to quickly move stuff around on my calendar and, you know, delete things that don't need to be there. So, and even like my schedule with days that I have for her is getting ready to change. My ex-husband's schedule is changing. So like kind of in like a waiting period for that. And when that changes, I think it's going to greatly affect the rest of my year. And I'll be doing lots of asana dragging and dropping. So I think just, I don't know, just going with the flow, that might have been a lesson of my whole life exploding that things don't always go as expected and it's not the end of the world you just adjust and keep going and the world keeps turning.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, thank you for that reminder too, because I feel like when we see online influencers or people who are, you know, really moving and shaking, we feel like their life is perfect. Obviously, it's never perfect. and. I think we just need to hear that people are dragging and dropping their stuff and cutting stuff out and making that conscious decision to cut the fluff or what, even if it's not fluff, cutting stuff that isn't vital to your business sometimes. Yeah. Necessary. So can you tell us a little bit about what stuff you were cutting? I mean, like, I feel like cutting feels sometimes like a, I don't know, it's like an emotionally draining process. It's like, can I really actually cut this? So yeah. I'm curious to hear what you were cutting.
2: Yeah. I think I was cutting things like... Oh, so I was talking about things being like consistent across things. And that's maybe a perfectionist or like a, the designer in me that wants everything to match. And so like in my blog posts, I have a lot of like content upgrades, which are like things people can download in exchange for their email address to help build my email list. A lot of the graphics for those in my blog posts, like I've changed the design of it over the years. And so they don't, if they're all like slightly different like even the worksheets themselves that they download, they're all like a little bit different just in terms of like my design style changing. So part of me wants to go back and like update all of those and make it all consistent. And while I think brand consistency is definitely important, like that specific of a consistency is not like, it's not going to bring more subscribers or, you know, it's not going to have like a direct ROI. It's just something I would like to have. So. I think thinking that's kind of how I think I prioritize, like, what can I cut and what do I need to really work on is like what is actually bringing in money or leading to bringing more subscribers, which leads to more money or something like that. And not that it's all about how much money you're making, but I do think it's.
1: Well, it's important. (laughs) Yeah, it's like on my mind all the time. Yeah. Yeah. There's no business without that revenue coming in. So, but yeah, I mean, you kind of just, you're so humble and I love it. But at the same time, I think the consistency is worth a lot. It builds that trust with your audience Mm -hmm. and it lets them know that if there's going to be something that you say is coming out, they can know that it's definitely coming out, which it's such an undervalued thing in the online world. It's just not that hard to run a business if you are consistent and you deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Yeah. Those two things, I mean, people are looking to be set apart in a saturated market. Like that's how you do it. Those two things, because yeah. it's, it's amazing how just confusing some people's service offerings are or inconsistent. Like usually what I find is that when somebody has a really good service offering, it's very inconsistently given. So sometimes it's like, wow, this is amazing. And then other times it's like, Where, where'd she go? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, Or, you know, with the digital products, it's like the same thing. It's either really, really consistently good or it's just like hit or miss. And sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it's just like, I really thought that was going to have more in it or, you know, I'm disappointed by this in some way. So I think consistency counts for a lot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, like, I think that I'm such a people pleaser (laughs) that if I Like, I'm always paranoid that if I say I'm going to deliver something in a certain way, or, you know, announce that something's being launched, like, that's my accountability almost to myself that like, okay, now I have to do it. I have to follow through with what I said. And yeah, having, you know, years and years of doing that, I think has definitely built trust and consistency with people. And those are big, big things I value for myself.
1: As we are just kind of wrapping this interview up in a few minutes, is there anything else that you feel like, like advice or any kind of information that you would want to share with somebody who is thinking about getting into digital products? Because it's like courses, downloads, templates. Obviously, I love templates. It's getting to be a big industry. And I think people see it as like low hanging fruit, but it's not necessarily that way. So, can you kind of help us dispel some of the myths? Like, if you throw up a website, and it's beautiful and well-designed and you have a great product, like what happens then? Do you just get flooded with orders?
2: <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I think that is ex- totally true. What You said that it, it is a lot of low-hanging fruit seemingly, but there, I, there's a lot more work that goes into the back end that maybe people who are just coming into it don't see or they don't know that they need to be doing, and so then they launch something and then it doesn't do well and they're like kind of left like... What happened? So, I think the two really biggest things would be to start with an audience. If there isn't, if there aren't people there to buy your thing, nobody's going to buy it. If you, you know, if there's no one to tell it about, then you're kind of left out in the cold. So, I think building an audience around a specific topic that you're wanting to launch a product or a service around is you have to have that. You literally can't run a business without that. So, I think that's a really important first step. And even if that audience is like your mom and your grandma and a few random friends or something like everybody in the entire industry, no matter how big they all started there with 10 people on their list and, you know, grew from there. So I think there's no shame in starting small. I launched my first digital product with less than a thousand subscribers on my list. And I think a lot of people are like, you have to have thousands and thousands and thousands to... Make anything, and you you don't. You have to have somebody there who's really interested, but it doesn't have to be thousands. And I think the second thing would be to start small. It can be really intimidating to be like, I'm going to create an online course, and there's going to be videos and PDFs and a sales page and a launch campaign and social media and blog posts, and there's a ton of moving parts to that. So I think if you're looking at something that huge, it's really really intimidating to know where to start or to even get started at all. So I think starting small with Um, a smaller scale product that maybe you've validated with that audience that you've been building. So you know that they're interested. It's not like hundreds of dollars that is going to be, you know, more of an investment for people who maybe haven't had enough time to build trust with you yet. So I think just starting small and with the audience and kind of building upon itself, like letting it all snowball. And that might take years. It's not an overnight thing. So just having patience, that would be... A bonus third thing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) bonus third third thing. I think patience and consistency, right? That's so so vital in this world. I'm curious, just kind of personally curious, for online business is not always intuitive to build. And I'm curious who your mentors have been or how, like what courses you've taken or what has, like, how have you learned how to navigate this crazy online business world?
2: Yeah, I think in the beginning, I mean, I didn't have any extra money to put towards courses or coaches or anything like that. So... It was a lot of just consuming all the free content of people's blogs and downloads or free email series or whatever. There's tons of really great free content out there, especially for beginners who just don't know where to start. Um, and I know it can be really overwhelming, but just kind of narrowing in on a few people that you really trust and you, their brand kind of resonates with you, and you kind of feel like maybe you'd be friends in your life. <laughs> That's always helpful. So, and kind of just focusing on that and cutting out all the other noise. But for me, I've never had a coach or anything like that. Pretty early on, I got hooked up with a couple others. Um, and we've had like a mastermind together for several years. And they've been really great to just have other eyes on your business and people who are on the outside, but who also know you and have become, you know, friends outside of business over the years, who can, you can bounce ideas off of and get feedback from. I think that's been super important. As far as courses that I've taken, I've taken Mariah Cause as your first 1K That really helped me to build my first online course. And she's a really great teacher for that type of thing, really practical. And then Ashlyn Carter, I took her last year, which really helped me. Kind of like I had my hand in a lot of buckets and I was doing a lot of things. And it was, I felt like it was confusing to customers and it was confusing to me (laughs) to describe what I do. So she really helped me to kind of see how everything fit together. Even beyond just copywriting, she helped me just to see how I could merge all of these passions and things that I was doing into a cohesive message that wasn't confusing or hard to explain. And then I've also been a part of Jason and Caroline Zook, their By Our Future program. I bought that on his first round a couple of years ago, really just to have access to Teachery, which is an online course platform that he built. And I really just bought it for the purpose of having lifetime access to that. <laughs> it was worth it financially. It made sense. But it's been so much more valuable beyond that just to see how they run their businesses. He's like one of the most creative business owners I've ever seen. And they're just completely out of the box with how they do things. And so I love just getting like a behind the scenes look at how they do things, how they make decisions, how they pivot, that, you know things that don't work out that they've poured time and money into and how they handle that and how they move on. It's just been cool to see like the whole backside of a business that a lot of people don't let anyone in on. <laughs> so they're very transparent.
1: It, that's a really good point. That's... I mean, I tell everybody that. Nobody listens to me though. It's okay. <laughs> um, you know, like be an OBM or get an inside look at these businesses in some way that you don't have to pay for a course. And that's not only the cheapest way to do it, but also probably the most effective because you're seeing everything, not just, you know, like whatever the course is there to teach you about. Plus you're getting paid for it. So
2: yeah, I actually did that like my last um, few months of working with clients on design projects. I was designing just for digital products. I was designing other people's courses so I could kind of, for that reason, like see, okay, what all does it take to build a course? What are all the different pieces that need to be considered and how does it all work together and how do you deliver that like in a...
1: a I want a course designer. I didn't know this was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think,
2: I don't know if very many people are specific to that anymore, but I loved it because, yeah, it gave me that kind of behind the scenes look so I could see the whole process start to finish before I went and did it myself. And I guess now that's what entire courses are made about, building courses. (laughs) So yeah, that would be another way to learn. But yeah, if you can even just like networking with people and reaching out, not not asking for things, but just being I actually read a thing just before I came on here with you guys. I'm on John Acuff's email list for writers. And he was talking about ask strangers for friendship, ask friends for favors. And so I think a lot of people ask strangers for favors, (laughs) or try to get advice from people who maybe they've been following forever. But you know, that person doesn't know them at all. So I think just building friendships more is a great way to kind of see how other people are running their businesses because totally we're all sitting alone at home in front of our computers and (laughs) hoping we're doing it right. We're just, my friend Janet from Paper and Spark said the other day, she's like, we're all just making up our own businesses. Like, it's just like this weird world that we've made up for ourselves. So it's easy to stay in your head and it's good to get out and build relationships with other people so you can be less alone, but also just see how other people are doing it.
1: For sure. Thanks, Kelsey. And, you know, to come full circle, this is kind of what your book does is it gives you an insider look into what your life is like behind the scenes, which I know when I was starting out was immensely helpful. I wanted to know what everybody's morning routine and nightly routine and, like what their life looked like on the inside, because that was totally the secret to success. And I, I wouldn't say that that is a hundred percent accurate, <laughs> like <laughs> 2013 Christina, that was a little bit wrong. But what I will say is that it was really, really helpful just to see how everybody did things and like give myself that permission to maybe work less because, you know, there's single moms out there that are working less or to have a morning routine because I don't need to just jump right into email. I can do other things before that. So that's really helpful. Where can people find your book, Kelsey? And just mention that InDesign Field Guide once again.
2: Yeah, so I mean, the book is still being written and so I don't have an official like page yet that talks about it. I don't even have a title yet, but it's. you can go to papernotes.com and that's my main website where once I do have more details about it, they will for sure be there. And then the indesignfieldguide.com is where you can learn more about um, the InDesign course. And then also you can sign up for a free about a week long series called the cliff notes that kind of lets you kind of dip your toes into InDesign and see what all it can do and what it can't do. And if the full program might be, a good choice for you or not. And it might not be, and that's okay.
1: (laughs) We did the questions kind of out of order. (laughs) We asked you where where people could find you. And I would love for you to mention that at the end of this again, just to remind everybody, but give us a little bit of an insider scoop your books coming out. You've switched now completely to digital products, courses. What can people expect from your creative empire in the future, Kelsey?
2: You can expect a book (laughs) in October is tentatively when it's going to be coming out, Hopefully. Honestly, after that, I don't know. And I, I think that's a question a lot of people ask, like, what do you want to do in the future? And kind of the theme of the book of things not going as you expected. I used to play the game a lot of where do you see yourself in five years or 10 years and what's the plan. And honestly, I'm at the time of this recording, I'm going to turn 30 in a couple of weeks. I thought I would be remarried and have another kid on the way by the time I was 30. And I have not. So I don't really... <laughs> play the how many years you know what are you going to be in how many years game anymore just because it's frustrating to me so I know what 2018 looks like and that's kind of all (laughs) but the book is kind of my biggest project of the year and then the InDesign course will be opening back up again in the fall so that's kind of those are my two big babies for the year (laughs) love
3: it writing a book is like delivering
2: a baby it is yeah (laughs) like It'll have been like a year long process and it's it's totally like birthing baby. <laughs> yes, I hear you. Well, thank you so
3: much, Kelsey, for being on the show. So everyone, you should be able to go find the InDesign Field Guide and the Cliffs notes. Go to Kelsey's website and go find that if you're interested in it. And where else can people find you on social or anywhere else?
2: Yeah, the main social place I hang out on is Instagram at Paper Notes is my profile there. And then I would say too if I know I'm like really vague about finding out information about the book because it doesn't exist yet. But you can go to my blog and I've written a few different posts kind of chronicling like how I'm the process of writing a book. I'm kind of sharing that as I go. So those are good places to papernotes.com slash blog to kind of read about what that whole process has been like. So
3: awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope that you guys listening have gained whether you're a mom or a single mom doesn't matter. I think there's so much goodness in this episode. And I, I would love to hear your feedback on it and just to hear what your takeaways were. But Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us and everyone out there. Go build your creative empire.
0: Are you ready to build your own empire? For more information, show notes, downloads, and tips on how to do it, head to www.creativeempire.co, where you can find out more about this week's episode and the two lovely ladies behind it all, encouraging you to build your own creative empire. If you enjoyed this week's show, it would mean so much to Reina and Christina if you could take two minutes to go to iTunes and leave a review. It's a little thing that makes a big difference for the show.